Welcome to the Talented Learning Show, episode 14, with your host and independent tech analyst, John Lay. Today, I interview Mary Burke from the Land Trust Alliance about educating the professionals who protect and conserve our natural resources and land. You can find more of our content at talentedlearning.com. Well, hello, everyone. We're back again for another installment of the Talented Learning Show podcast series. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning technology solutions from both the vendor and the practitioner perspectives. Today, from the practitioner expert side, we're thrilled to have Mary Burke, Associate Director of Educational Services at the Land Trust Alliance. Mary has over 20 years' experience in nonprofits, associations, and higher education. She's developed and runs a national training program for over 1,000 land trusts and is a managing editor for the most current, authoritative, and comprehensive sources of information on private land conservation. I've known Mary for almost four years now. I've been following her work at the LTA, and I'm a big fan. Welcome, Mary, and I'm really excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, well, thank you, John. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. As a lot of my followers know, I I, uh, live out in the country on a farm, conservation, and uh, just natural resources is a big part of, of who I am. So I'm, when I ran into uh, the Land Trust Alliance and, and Mary, I was just fascinated by uh, the work that they're doing. And I can't wait to, to share it with the listeners today. But if uh, the listeners are anything like me, they don't even know what a land trust is. And so maybe a great place to start, Mary, is what is the Land Trust Alliance and you know, what's your mission uh, as, as an organization? And maybe we'll start there and we'll, 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 we'll start digging in. How about that? Sure, sure. The the mission of the Land Trust Alliance is to save the places people need and love by strengthening land conservation across America. And, you know, I'm not surprised that, that you are unfamiliar with land trusts. Uh, we seem to be our best-kept secret. Uh, but <laughs> the really local, uh, for the majority, are local organizations that are conserving the places and people's communities that they cherish. Uh, we Those lands could be farms. Land, ranch land, beautiful vista, community forest, a beach, local swimming holes, whatever communities cherish and want to preserve. Um, one of the one of the big examples that I, I like to I like to talk about is is local to my state of, of Maryland, and um, many of you are familiar with George Washington, right? His his uh, his uh, Mount Vernon, where he he, he lived. Um, well, that's, if you're not familiar with the area, it's right on the Potomac River, and then across the river is Maryland. So, Mount Vernon's in Virginia, Maryland is on the other side of the river. So, thanks to the work of a lot of conservation groups on that other side of the river, if you go to the back porch of Mount Vernon and you stand where George Washington stood, you will see the same view that George Washington saw. You're not going to see, you're not going to see houses and buildings and, and other things like that, you're going to see what he saw. So, so I think that sort of encapsulates a lot of what we do. We, we figure out what's important to people, what's important to the communities, and then we go out and we preserve it. Mm-hmm. And how does, how does that happen? What, what does a local land trust look like? What, like what, 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 how, what does that look like? You know, it's hard to say what a local land trust looks like because they're so diverse. We have members, the Nature Conservancy is a member, and down to the, you know, a very small all-volunteer group that's intent on preserving uh, area, land in, in one in one town. So, so it's very different. Um, 
some land trusts preserve land that they own and people can go hike at my local land trust. You know, we were just hiking last week. They, they protect an area around a watershed and go hiking there. Mm-hmm. Others uh, preserve through use of agreements with landowners that they don't develop their land. So it's, it, it varies um, depending on the community's needs. We're very local based. Mm-hmm. And so how does a, a land trust go about actually protecting you? Know, if you go back to your George Washington example, you know, he's obviously uh, dead and gone here for a couple hundred years. How does, how does that roll forward that, uh, you know, now 200 years later, there's not uh, houses there. What, how do they do that? Right. So what, so what a land trust um, will do in, in a situation is let's say you have a farm, um, the farmer needs, or wants to preserve it for the next generation, um, worried about estate taxes, what he or she may do is go ahead and uh, work with a, a land trust to donate or sell a conservation easement. And, and that's a, a, it's a legal document that says, okay, well, over here, um, we're, we're going to grow, but over here, we're not going to grow. And I'm going to be able to build one house in this area and it's not going to be, you know, where the prime soils are and that agreement. And, and you're figuring out where is the best place that, you know, have that second house, but we're not going to build over here. That agreement goes with the land so that the next landowner is bound by it. And so from your members uh, standpoint, I, you mentioned that the nature conservatory is is one of your members all the way down to you know all volunteer groups so it, it sounds like the uh, the demographics are, are different for each each one of these land trusts how so how does education play into this how do you educate such a diverse uh, group of, of professionals and what do you educate them about uh, tell us, yeah tell us about it, that. It, it, <laughs> it's a challenge because um, you know, in addition, you talk about, you have to toss in the fact of, of money and time where, you know, we educate nonprofits. So, so every dollar is, is of extreme value to them and time, you know, we always feel like we're in a race, um, you know, to, to make sure the land, land is preserved before it, before it gets developed. So our strategy is to create different learning for different people, um, and of course, we, we're bound by our own constraints of time and money. Um, we're a nonprofit as well, so uh, we have different um, different types of, of learning opportunities to try to meet the diverse needs of our organization. We have webinars, we have self study training on the on our LMS, and we've got sample documents. Uh, we've got a law library. We have in person training. We have an annual conference that attracts about, about probably about 2,000 people every year. We've got uh, a legal symposium for uh, advanced topics in land conservation law. We run that about every two years. And then we have individual kind of one-off trainings and individual technical assistance. One of our most popular things we do is we have an Ask the Expert piece on our LMS. And our, we have a forum where land trusts can type in questions and get answers from experts. And actually, it's funny because we, we, we started that as a way to, with our first LMS, because we couldn't afford a lot of um, self-study training. So mm-hmm. we thought, well, but we could get people in. And so that, it turned out to be a, kind of a, one of those situations where you're constrained, but it, the constraints turned into an opportunity. Well, interesting. 
Interesting. And so the composition of uh, the audience, it sounds like there would have to be attorneys. Uh, uh, is that the case? And what other type of people work at a land trust? Right. There's, there, we, we train on legal issues. So there's attorneys, there's uh, board members who, so we have to train in nonprofit governance matters, uh, financial people, because uh, whenever you, it, we, people have to know about finances and the, the technical issues of regarding finances with land conservation work can be, can be kind of technical. Uh, fundraising, obviously, real estate, uh, you know, then there's the on the ground science. Uh, we don't train too much in that, but but that's something that land tr- people working land trust need to know about. Uh, you know, public marketing communications. Well, I feel like we train on everything. I mean, we we do HR. It's 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 what we don't. You know, I, it's almost like what do we not train on? Right, right. And so, what's uh, what what is your role at the AT uh, at the LTA? How do what are you responsible for in this effort? Uh, I'm, um, I manage, manage our publications, so I edit them and shepherd them through the publication process. Uh, I work with uh, a vendor on developing online, self-study online training. Um, I help, uh, I have a staff person who manages our LMS, so I, I help her with that. Um, and then um, I do a little bit of, in membership as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do you I'm go- probably forgetting something. <laughs> <laughs> You're forgetting what you do from Wednesday to Friday, uh, just the, the, the first half of the week. So, what is uh, what? Is, how do you go about uh, picking this content or developing this content? Is are these topics all proprietary? Is there places you can go where some of these uh, content already exists, or is it all you know, starting with volunteers and, and cranking it out from the beginning? Uh, what, what's your situation? Well, we most of the most of the content that we develop is content that we generate. Um, land trust work is very specific, so it's not like you can go to Linda and you know purchase uh, content. I mean, obviously HR content we we could purchase, but but the core of our training is is material and information that we develop. We have um, basically a code of ethics called land trust standards and practices, and that kind of guides the priorities that we have. We just, we had a big community input process and revised that in 2017. So we're in the process of updating all of our materials so they reflect the new standards. Uh, but that's that's how we set our priorities. And then we go ahead and um, we ask our members. Uh, I regularly ask my members every time I do a, a webinar, I have a evaluation, and I ask them, well, what else do we need to train on? And then I compile all those, and then that that helps me figure out what I offer for the following year. Mm, interesting. Interesting. And do you, uh, so how do you view education from a fiscal standpoint? Is it a, uh, a profit center uh, for the LTA or is it content that you just include as part of a member benefit or a combination of both? What's your strategy there? We have different, we have a different strategy. So everything that we develop on our learning management system is available as a member benefit. So there's no additional charge for that. Um, webinars, we do, we do charge actually a very small fee, it's a, and it's very heavily subsidized by our funders. Um, but we do charge a fee. I have to cover the, my, I usually pay my uh, instructors. So, you know, we have to 
there's, there's the expenses that we have to cover there. Um, so I think that's kind of how we do it, but we, we're, we're very mindful that our land trusts, you know, we have to support the land trusts that are doing great work who have very limited budgets, and we want to make sure that we provide them with as much support and information and training as we possibly can because mm-hmm. they're doing such important work. Yeah, absolutely. Is uh, Are your members always groups that have individuals, or can you have indiv- individuals, too, as members? The Land Trust Alliance, our only members are land trusts. Ah, We have individual supporters who who may believe in our mission and donate to the Alliance. Uh, We also have organizations that are not land trusts that do conservation-related type work, and they can join as affiliates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how about, uh, you know, what would be uh, some of the greatest challenges uh, of educating as members? Uh, One, we talked about the diversity of content required and diversity of audiences. Uh, What else? What are are other challenges that you run into of, of... I guess time and money you mentioned also uh, anything in addition to those that you struggle with? You know, I think it's time and money really. That's the, that's the challenges. Um, you know, I, you know, I think people are getting busier and busier and, you know, it's hard to find time to, you know, to, to spend that 90 minutes on a webinar. And, mm-hmm. you know, I call, you know, in, in my opening uh, you know, for the webinars, I always say, you know, put off that, turn off that phone, turn off that email, give yourself the luxury of 90 minutes, just paying attention. And I think that's, it's sort of a sad situation where 90 minutes of un- uninterrupted focus is, is pretty much considered a luxury these days. So, mm-hmm. And so how does that manifest itself in your content? Is it getting smaller and more mobile? Is that a strategy or... Yes, actually, you know, when I first started at the Alliance and we were trying to figure out how to develop content over uh, the standards, uh, standards of practices, and and we created books, and they were going to be they were self study books that could be used on you know on your own, and then it could be used in a training. We were trying to be you know efficient, but now we are not going the book route. We're we're actually in, at, at this point trying to figure out. What do we do with some of that content that is not out of date yet, but in those books as we're shifting to more um, online model? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're, what we're struggling with now at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and we are definitely paring down the written content because people just don't have time to read. Mm-hmm. And so when you pair that content down, what, what, how, how, do you, how do users find that? Did you put in some kind of, uh, it sounds like you have such a voluminous amount of content that a challenge would be just getting the right content to the right person. So I'm curious what your strategy is around, I don't know, taxonomy or tagging or chunking it. You know, how, how, how do you arrange that to keep track of all that? Seems seems like a lot to keep track of. Well, well, the, the benefit we have is we've got this land trust standards and practices. So we've got, um, that's pretty much how we organize the bulk of our content is around the um, the uh, 12 standards and then the, oh, I can't remember how many practices underneath each. So you've got, you know, we've got uh, content on board governance, so that goes this here. We've got finance that goes in this bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, you know, land protection that goes here. So so that's kind of the, the, the kind of the overarching way we organize it. Then plus we have a law library and we have law content. 
So you have thousands of members marry or thousands of member institutions and uh, countless uh, people that work for those land trusts or volunteer for them that, that need education. Uh, and they're all over the country in, in every corner of the world. So it's uh, you probably have a, a, a pretty interesting ecosystem of technology uh, needed to to manage all this. And we like to go with all of our guests and just hear what they're using, how they're snapping it together, because there's no there's no two identical uh, ecosystems out there in, in, in my experience. And so how about this? What is your association management system of choice? What do you guys use to manage all those members and keep track of that? We use, we use IMAS. Um, we actually, I, we have a dedicated, actually two dedicated people to manage IMAS and help us um, program staff use it effectively. And then in addition to, to INIS, we have an LMS. Uh, mm. We use uh, Top Classes, uh, WBT by Top Class. We mm-hmm. just moved from a home-built LMS to an off-the-shelf product this year. So, so we've uh, we've made that move, and we're still, to be honest, still adjusting. Um, but we're eager to kind of explore. I feel like there's a there's a wealth of of features that we haven't even had a chance to, to utilize yet. So we're, hmm. still, we're still learning that piece. I bet. Um, I bet. In addition, we, uh, we use Adobe connect for our hmm. webinars. I've used, um, I've been using them for several years. I've been very happy with, with them. We, I'd used years ago. I'd used a couple of very, they weren't very good. So, I've been very happy with Adobe Connect, and mm-hmm. uh, we don't really—we have not really made a connection between Adobe Connect and our LMS. We haven't—we haven't figured out that piece yet. So mm-hmm. we're still uh, still more I, still more compartmentalized that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, is your LMS integrated with your your IMS? Do you share data between those two? Yes, yes. They—that's very critical to update it. And one of the things we're very excited about with the new LMS is, is the features that allow you know, managers to assign training to their employees and for employees to track their learning, you know, both on the LMS and off the LMS, because we do have a very large annual conference. So, mm-hmm. so that piece we're, we're, you know, we've, we've had the LMS for less than a year, so we're still working that piece out, but we're very excited to see how that is going to play out for our members. Yeah, it definitely is a process to just keep on rolling out uh, learning technology and expanding it uh, over time. But last question there, authoring tools. Uh, I think you mentioned that you use um, uh, third-party uh, partners to help you develop content. Uh, do you know uh, what that's developed in and uh, what, what the standard is? Is that like a SCORM thing that comes back to you? Is that? Yes, yes. They, they, they do SCORM, and um, I'm, I'm excited. I'd like to be able to, down the road, have the fun of doing that myself, uh, but we're, we're right now in a um, – we're still trying to get the materials uh, completed. So our, our, we have a we have a set process. For, we create individual PDFs based upon the individual practices from our land trust standards and practices. So we push those out. We're trying to push those out um, as quickly as possible, so folks have guidance on how to implement the standards. So once those are all finished, all that written word, we're then going to move into uh, more development. We're, we're starting 
the the self study online courses, but we still have a ways to go on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you and me both. I've I've had some that are I've been threatening to, to publish now for the last two years and, and have not yet. <laughs> Lack of time. Consultants are great. They get things done. <laughs> if you had to say. I guess independently of, of your current LMS set, regardless, but if you had to say what the top three LMS features uh, that would be important to uh, an organization like yours reaching out, what, what would you say they would be? I would say, first off, a good, a good way for people to communicate with each other. Um, we, and maybe this is unique to land trust, I, I don't know, but we have a very generous, Group land trusts are very generous with their their sharing information, ideas, and support. Mm-hmm. So we found that our LMS has been very good to to facilitate that. And we have, of course, our Ask the Expert, which is which is wonderful because you know land trusts may be working in isolation out in some remote part of the country, and then the LMS and the forums uh, can be a way to connect with other people doing similar work. So that's mm-hmm. that's really important. Uh, search is important. We have our, our land trusts love sample documents. <laughs> they just love them because they can pull, you know, a board, you know, something to do with a board. They don't have to create it from scratch. They can pull down a, a document, get a get an idea, and then edit it to their own needs. So, so a search is really, really important. Uh, what else? How about reporting? Um, that way, yes, I was about to say that that's really important. I actually don't do much on the reporting end of it. I ask my colleague and I say, when I have a question, I just, I go to her and she's, we've been very happy moving from our, our homegrown system had very limited, limited analytics. And now we're in a, uh, an off the shelf product that has a, a better analytic capability. So we're very happy about that. Mm. Oh, and one other thing is, is important to us, and I think this is going to be something that's going to grow in importance, is having mobile capability. So land trust, one of the things land trust people have to do is they have to go back and inspect the, visit the land to make sure that the people who, you know, the landowners are on it are doing what they're supposed to do. So they do this every year. So it's kind of nice to be able, if they're in the field, they can pull up information right off, you know, right from their, their you know, phone or tablet. So, so I think that's going to be a bigger, a bigger benefit down the road. And they could probably just take a picture and document it while, while they're right there, that nothing changed. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Great. How do you, uh, we're, we're, we're approaching uh, the end of our time. I got about 44 more questions, so I guess we won't get to this, <laughs> uh, in, 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 in this one. Um, but from a goal and measuring your success standpoints, how do you look at that? How do you know you're successful, you know, in your educational methods? What's your approach to, I guess, developing that litmus and measuring against it? That's, you know, that's a hard question to answer because the, our success is seen across the country in individual events that we may never know about. So if someone takes a a board training and they're able then to have a more dynamic board meeting. I'll never know about that mm-hmm. unless somebody tells me. Um, so, 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 so when you ask me that, I'm like, that's, that's a tough question to answer. We can look at, at large metrics. 
um, you know, 56 million acres of land has been conserved by land trusts around the country. You know, it's wow. basically the size of Idaho. So, I, you know, we can look at that and say at some point education helped achieve that goal. Um, we have 411 accredited land trusts. Uh, so, you know, that's another way we can look at our success. Um, we have, you know, we do surveys. Obviously, we, we do surveys to find out what folks are thinking and what they need and what they want. So, so there is that piece. Um, it, it, it's, it's a challenge. It, it, it truly is a challenge. And, you know, even getting people to take a survey is really hard. And, you know, you know, it's not like I can go to a land trust and sit in on a board meeting or sit in on a landowner visit. It's, it's just not possible. So, so that's where if anyone has brilliant ideas, I would love to, I would love to have them. <laughs> well, that's why we're here on this uh, podcast. We get your brilliant ideas on this. Um, you know, one of the challenges that you have uh, that, that that's really unique is, you know, other professional and member-based organizations uh, are, you know, if you're a, a surgeon, you know, any flavor, you know, that that's your living. So you're, you know, you're engaging with your association, your member-based organization, you're, you know, you're taking content, you're required to take content, you know, on an annual or biannual basis to maintain your, your license to practice whatever that profession is. And so a lot of associations, I think, have it easier than you um, because your members, uh, you know, in so many cases are volunteers that mm -hmm. uh, this is ancillary to their professional life. In fact, it's their second professional life sometimes, I think, or, uh, you know, their retirement job. And, and so, you know, these folks, uh, you know, have, have less ties to you, I think, than, than a lot of associations and members. And all that makes your challenge of knowing who they are and knowing what they want and engaging with them and trying to do that, you know, while they're already volunteering their time and have probably a busy life on, on top of that. So, um, uh, as far as most associations I talk to, I, I think your hill is, is harder to climb than most because of that. But you're not alone in that bucket of of really uh, educating and engaging uh, really, uh, I guess, non-attached type uh, member audiences. And I guess my final question for all those that are following in your footsteps trying to figure out how to do it, if you look back at your last 13 years or so at the LTA, what's the best piece of advice you could give somebody that's that's going down the path of, I guess, uh, you know, creating an ed educational environment that, that needs to address lots and lots of different types of, of volunteer? What, what's your best advice? You know, I think there's – Advice on, you know, obviously creating priorities so you're not squandering your, your time and your resources um, so that you're getting your members, you know, you know, what they need, when they need it. Um, building a solid team is really important. I work with some fabulous people that, that have my back and I can turn to at any time for whatever reason. So I think, I, I, I think that's super important. Um, connecting with people, and I tend to connect to people using humor. I think that's really important. And it and to have fun in whatever you do, I think is, is an important thing. I've always said life is too short to be dull. Um, but I think, you know, there is that. And, and to connect with people so that they realize that, you know, this person on the other end of the webinar or the developing the training is a real person and they feel comfortable coming to you. So I feel really great when I get an email from from somebody that I do a webinar with, and they say, hey, you know, great webinar, but, you know, you could, yeah, we really need this. Can you do this? 
So I feel like then that's a result that I've made a connection with that person and, you know, that, you know, we're rowing in the same direction, so to speak. And, and, and the final thing I would say to uh, folks in this field is don't forget to go outside, you know, go for a walk in the woods, go for a walk on the beach, find your local land trust, see what they're doing because they're probably doing amazing things to make your community a better place to live. And you should enjoy that um, and take part in that because again, it, you'll, you will, I can't tell you, you always feel better when you get outside. So you're preaching to the choir. There you have it. <laughs> there you have it. Stage advice from Mary Burke, associate director of educational services at the land trust Alliance. Uh, thank you, Mary, for joining us today and, and sharing your experiences and, and wisdom. It's, I'm sure all of our audience and followers are going to appreciate learning more about not only what land trusts do, but the unique challenges of, of education in a in a distributed member based environment uh, like that. So, uh, thanks again for joining, and uh, we hope everybody has a great day. And you can find more of our resources at talentedlearning.com. Thank you, Mary. Thank you.